Jonathan Hall, and you are listening to 1869, the Cornell University Press podcast. Cornell's Southeast Asia program, SEEP, was founded in 1950 to promote the acquisition and dissemination of knowledge about countries, cultures, and languages of the region. Its publishing arm, SEEP Publications, seeks to make scholarship on Southeast Asia widely available to interested readers. It is officially an imprint of Cornell University Press, and yet it maintains its own distinct and prestigious profile. Today, I am joined by SEEP Managing Editor, Sarah Grossman. Hi, Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Jonathan, thanks. So you were just down in DC this past weekend. Where where were you? Um, at the Asian Studies Conference in the Marriott, about uh, 10 blocks from the Capitol. Nice, nice. And uh, what was it like? What was the Asian Studies Conference like? Oh, it was enormous. You know, they get about 3,500 people um, from all over the world, and that's part of what's really exciting about Asian Studies is it's a real destination conference. It's not just Americans, but you get people from Europe and nice. from um, East Asia and from Southeast Asia. Um, everybody comes, especially, you know, especially when it's in a place like D.C. that's pretty easy to get to Such and on the East Coast then. of the United States. You know, a big city, people want to visit anyway. Yeah, so. yeah. destination yeah. For, for a conference. Destination conference. Yeah. And what was your overall impression of the conference while you were there? Um, seemed like there was a lot going on. You know, everyone I spoke to had was rushing from one meeting to another meeting. Um, you know, Asian Studies is a, the conference is a location for a lot of different subgroups to have conferences because you've got Southeast Asian Studies, you've got Korea Studies, you've got Chinese Studies, you've got um, your South Asian Studies, and then even within those larger categories, there's the Vietnam Studies group, the Indonesia Studies group, the Malay Studies group, the really language groups. So there's yeah. all these different um, subcategories of, of academic fields, all of which meet and have conversations in person at the conference. And that's, um, it's my impression that that's what it, the Asian Studies Conference is used for more than for um, the uh, regular sort of talks and lectures and this kind of thing, even though obviously that happens sure, too. Sure. Um, but it's, it's, it feels a little different from the big history conferences or the big anthro conferences that are more about the talks. Mm -hmm. This seems to be more about the meetings and sort of institution building. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Um, while you were at the, the Cornell and Seep table, um, what were some of the big books that uh, you noticed that people were more were more interested in? Take a look at. Well, I run the Southeast Asia list, and so mm -hmm. I was really tuned into what Southeast Asia books were selling. Yeah. And um, we moved uh, five physical copies of the Duterte Reader, which oh, is nice. our new um, book. It's a collection of eighteen essays by Filipino authors, um, a sort of first stab at interpreting Duterte's presidency. Um, it's a co-publication we have with Ateneo in the Philippines. Um, okay. We're the North American distributor. And it was really um, popular. So we also, I mean, I took orders for several copies in addition wow. to what we sold. Um, so that was pretty exciting to see. That's great, great. I know that Duterte has 
kind of made it into the, the insular U.S. media uh, because of Donald Trump saying that they have a, quote, great relationship. And I think one of the things I read in the news that uh, Trump said that Duterte is doing an unbelievable job on the drug problem. Duterte is doing a lot of unbelievable yeah. things, I yeah. think. Um, and I think that's part of the, the attraction of the book is I know some people who are interested in it for teaching purposes to, mm-hmm. say, to say to their students, you know, here's somebody we even hear about in the United States um, and here is how uh, a scholar might interpret these actions rather than how, you know, a journalist might interpret these actions. Interesting. Um, and also just because... It, you know, I mean, it just is the case that when things are in the news, you know, people are more interested in those fields in sure. academia. Sure. So, makes sense. Um, makes sense. Were there any other titles uh, that that you saw um, gathering interest, people coming to the the table and, and uh, wanting to talk more about the book? Well, um, a lot of people were really interested in um, Charlene Mackley's new book on uh, Tibet, which we had in um, in Bound Proofs. Okay. Um, and that we had about ten or twelve copies of Bound Proofs, and every single one of them disappeared. Wow. People were thrilled, um, and not just because sort of this is a free book, but there were people who came to the booth specifically to find out if that book was available. And on seeing that they could read an advanced copy, were just um, over the moon. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, another title that uh, is also still forthcoming that we got a lot of. Uh, attention for was um, Di Wang's The Chinese Tea House book yeah, that's yeah, coming that out. Beautiful. And we have a beautiful poster for it, and I, I guess it's coming in May, and several people stopped by to find out more about that. And was the poster of the, uh, the cover? Yes, that's yeah, right. That's, that's the Tea House Under Socialism, that's the one. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the Charlene Mackley's The Battle for Fortune. Yes, that's the one. Yeah. yeah. Great, great. Yeah. Um, what were some of the most memorable moments of the of the weekend? Well, you know, um, to some extent, it's a little bit of a blur because at the booth, uh, we're trying to sell books to customers and also to solicit manuscripts from potential authors um, who are also the customers. And so yeah. there's a lot of crosstalk. Um, but one of the things that was, this is a very small detail, but that was very odd about this conference was that the... Um, the exhibit coordinators in the hotel were really, really strict about setting up and taking down the booths. And they fixated on our booth in particular and on Emily and I setting up our booth. We were both standing on the table trying to hang up posters and we got shouted down and they had to come bring over like a ladder for us and we had a lengthy conversation where Emily explained to them that if she fell off the table she wouldn't sue because she's Canadian and Canadians <laughs> don't do that and the the workers in DC were having none of that it's all liability yeah it was all liability yeah. we got a big liability lecture I and mean, this has never happened to me at a conference generally speaking people sort of stand on the tables and hang things up and the conference organizers say things like uh, you're not supposed to do that yeah. you know and kind of wander away so that was, it was a peculiarity, I would say. Um, made things a little challenging. I guess there's so many lawyers in D.C. That yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they were particularly concerned about things. Um, but, uh, yeah, the conference itself, sort of the, the scholarship and the sort of academic interaction was, um, was really uplifting. It, mm-hmm. it was not uh, peculiar in any way. 
So. Was there any, uh, was there some buzz about, uh, you know, a book from another press or that people were talking about a particular uh, event or a speaker? Um, not that I, I heard. Um, mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that it didn't happen because, yeah. as I said, we were, we were pretty busy. But we were um, in a really good location. The Cornell booth was in a great location and we were right next door to the Columbia booth. And Columbia had several award winners. Now you mentioned that you guys were, were super busy. Uh, what do you think were some of the factors that uh, contributed to the, the amount of traffic coming by the booth? Well, one thing is certainly always location. Um, mm -hmm. This year, we were right on the main uh, thoroughfare through the conference. People were going uh, into the conference main doors and then out to the exhibit halls, like to the conference meeting rooms, um, okay. right past the Cornell table, which just leads to a lot of spontaneous browsing and then spontaneous conversations and sales. And um, we were also near some other big presses in Asian studies, and that um, always brings more crowds around. When there's a group of presses people want to see the books from and want to talk to the editors mm -hmm. um, all together, that's pretty nice. Who were your neighbors? Um, we had uh, Hawaii on one side and, the, and all the people they distribute for. So that's a lot of wow. people on one side. And on the other side was uh, Columbia, um, who, by the way, uh, at one point had like a camera crew oh, yeah. and uh, like a, a table with coffee and things. So there was a lot of excitement over at Columbia. They that's looked, cool. Like, they looked as if they were really busy. But the, the camera crew was very exciting to me. I've never seen that. At a Curious to see before. what they do with that. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Watch Maybe there'll space. be a camera crew with the next uh, next conference. Exactly. Like for us. Court, New York, New York presses taking the lead with uh, new media. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, what are some of the things that um, you saw as a potential trend? at the conference or things that you think are, are I mean, this video crew at Columbia is one, but, but uh, things that you're excited about, uh, that we're, you're excited about the conference and see as trends in the future? Well, in general, I think Asian studies is a really exciting field to work in. Um, it's, uh, you know, with the uh, merger of the Southeast Asia Program publications and Cornell University Press, with SEEK becoming an imprint of the press, Cornell is really, um, putting its best foot forward with respect to Southeast Asia, we really have a lot of titles in that field. Yeah. And that's pretty exciting um, because it means that I, I'm talking to a really broad range of scholars about their work. Um, and in general, you know, Asian studies feels to me like a field with great vibrancy where there are more and more students in the field and more and more uh, positions opening up. Um, you know, people go to the conference, not only academics, but also people who work for NGOs and who work for government. And I talked to several people who work for the State Department oh, nice. and this sort of thing. Um, since we're in DC, you know, all these political workers do come by. Um, that is really, really interesting because of course there are a lot of highly educated people who want to know what the newest scholarship is, you know, in all those fields. and. Uh, Cornell's a natural destination for them with the security studies um, list that Roger has and the international relations and mm -hmm. Emily's new work with um, Chinese history and the Southeast yeah. Asia program. I mean, it really, um, it feels vibrant, you know, which is not something you can say always of academic work. So, And with potential authors that were coming uh, to see you and, and meet with you and Emily, um, was there any type of 
theme that that consistently appeared, or, or new types of scholarship that you that you thought uh, interested were going in interesting directions? Well, I spoke to several people who are working on religion okay. um, in Southeast Asia, not just um, your sort of regular, I mean, not regular, because there are all kinds of interesting things to say about it, but traditionally you see a lot of work in Southeast Asia on Buddhism and um, on meditation and these kinds of practices, but mm-hmm. I spoke to I spoke to several people studying Islam, which I suppose is not terribly surprising. Yeah. Um, but but is is a newer direction, um, and I also spoke to um, a lot of people who are uh, working on Korea. Okay. Um, and this is this is because they were really looking for Roger Hayden, you know. But they told me about their work instead since he wasn't there. Sure. Um, and so that was that's always very very interesting. On both um, south and north. Both south and north. Okay. Both south and north, and um, and some of the work I have to say sounded just fascinating. You know, it was about international relations and um, and. Uh, you know, North Korea's place in the sort of Asian world and South Korea's place in the global world. I mean, I find that it, it, it felt exciting, you know, and new. Nice, nice. As far as um, forthcoming or uh, recent titles that have come out uh, from SEEP, what are some of the ones that, uh, that are really uh, piqued your interest and you're really excited about? Well, I was just um, delighted at Asian Studies to be able to meet um, Kyrdine Aljuniad, who is a SEEP author whose book is forthcoming in August. Okay. Um, he's normally at NUS, and so this was the first time I was able to meet him in person. Nice, um, nice. And he has a book coming out on Hamka. Um, yes, and yes. Hamka's, um, uh, Hamka as a reformer, as a, a Muslim reformer and writer and thinker. Um, and so uh, it was delightful to meet with Kyrodine and uh, we had flyers and I was able to talk about his book with several people and people came by and were interested in it. Um, the other uh, work I have forthcoming from SEEP is um, an edited volume by Kirsten Enders and Anne-Marie Leshkowitz. And Anne-Marie was at the conference and it was really great to talk to her about um, about the book, which is now almost finished. Oh, great. Um, and that's an edited volume about markets and traders in Vietnam. Interesting. Um, interesting. So that's going to be very, that's a very interesting collection of work um, that I really hope uh, people who are interested, you know, people from outside Vietnam studies pick up because it has a lot to say about small scale, uh, small scale economies of, you know, small scale economics, I suppose, buying and trading and different kinds of local interactions. It's, it's really engaging. So she did field research there in like local markets? Yeah, or? it's an edited volume. So it's a, oh, a vast or an array of, of local stories, I guess is one way to put it. Nice, nice. And we have a, a upcoming edition of Indonesia Journal coming out? Mm, yeah, there should be a, an issue of Indonesia coming out in about three or four weeks. Um, that's just a regular issue. I'm trying to think what's inside of it. We have a, um, Douglas Kamen wrote a piece about the history of the Cornell paper um, by um, you know Ben Anderson and uh, Ruth McVeigh. Um, so that's really quite interesting. It has a lot of institutional history of Cornell University, of course, but also institutional history of the field of Indonesian studies and the place of of even of the journal within that, um, so it's a little bit a little bit inward gazing, but I think also uh, should be of interest um, 
to many people who study Indonesia. Great, yeah. great. Um, and uh, where is the Asian Studies Conference next year? Next year, it's in Denver. Oh, wow. So I'm really looking forward to that. That'll be fun. I really like going to Denver. Um, and after that, I think it's back on the East Coast again okay. for another year. So. And you've said that, um, or you've seen that the conferences on the East Coast tend to be uh, more... Um, more popular or there's more people I guess because in DC in particular mm -hmm. or in New York mm -hmm. there's a lot there's a larger um, group of people that don't even have to travel for the conference yeah I think I think that yeah I think as you say there's just such a huge population of close by institutions in a lot of East Coast cities that that really helps to populate it also um, I was surprised um, by the number of people from your Europe who are at the conference um, and I wonder if when the conferences are on the West Coast, if that's less common, just because of the distance. Um, whereas people who travel, if once they're traveling to the United States from Asia, perhaps it doesn't make a difference if you're going to Seattle or you're going to New York, because yeah, exactly. <laughs> the distances involved are so vast anyway. But that's anecdotal. I might be totally wrong. Um, it was just was my impression that I I was not expecting to see so many people from you know from Leiden and from Heidelberg. Well, that's encouraging. You. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was really delightful. I mean, Asian Studies is a very diverse conference and... Seems to be really growing it, I really think it is. They, I think they said this was the largest conference wow. they've had to date, and it's always pretty big, so... Great, great. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. It was great talking <laughs> with you. And, um, yeah, it sounded like you guys had, you had a great time and uh, a very successful conference. Thanks, Jonathan. Yeah, it was really fun. Um, I like Asian Studies. It's a good conference. Nice, mm -hmm. nice. Well, thanks again. Okay. All right. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was SEEP Managing Editor Sarah Grossman. If you'd like to learn more about SEEP publications, please visit our website and browse the imprint Southeast Asia Program Publications. Thank you for listening to 1869, the Cornell University Press Podcast.